This is CPX number 95, The Third Commandment. This is the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, CPX, page 117 to 119, question and answer number 1 through 11. God give you his peace, and nomine patri, sefiri, spiritu santi, heavenly king, consoler spirit, spirit of truth, who art present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life. Come dwell in us, cleanse us, and save us, you who are all good. Amen. In nomine Patri, Sifiti, Spiritu Santi, Amen. Real quick thank you to all my donors out there. Happy Advent. Merry Christmas to all the listeners. You know, today in CPX, you're going to read in your Eterna Press book the word festivals. I think probably in the Italian and the Latin, it was, at least the Italian was festival, but that's probably translated to the English um, in a transliteration to festival, but a more accurate translation would be feast. So what I did in the following is change the word festival, if you have the Eterna Press, to feast. Again, I think festival is a transliteration, but not a good translation. Today is a lot about Sundays and feasts. You're going to be pretty surprised to hear that even 130 years ago, Catholics saw feast days to be respected just as intensely as Sundays, and there was a lot more feast days. It was surprising to me, even reading today, how important it is to sanctify in prayer and recreation and holiness, the uh, the feast days. Real quick note, what I'm going to do a little bit differently today, since we have question and answer 1 through 11, my commentary is on the first several questions. So what I'm going to do for you is just read the question and answer for the last several, and then we're going to rewind to the first, so I can just do the commentary in between each question and answer for the first sections of today's podcast. Let's look at number 6 through 11 first. Number six, what does the third commandment forbid? Answer, the third commandment forbids servile works and any other works that hinder the worship of God. Number seven, what servile works are forbidden on feasts? Answer, the servile works forbidden on feasts are those works called manual, that is, those material works in which the body has more part than the mind, such, for instance, as are ordinarily done by servants, laborers, and artisans. Number eight, what sin does one commit by working on feasts? Answer, one commits a mortal sin by working on feasts. Brevity of time, however, will excuse from grave sin. Number nine, is no servile work at all permitted on feasts? Answer, on feasts, those works are permitted which are necessary for life or for the service of God, as well as those done for a grave reason, with leave, when possible, from your pastor. Number 10. Why is servile work forbidden on feasts? Answer. Servile work is forbidden on feasts in order that we may the better attend to divine worship and to the care of our souls, and to enable us to rest from toil. Hence, innocent recreation is not forbidden. Number 11. What else, above all, should we avoid on feasts? Answer, we should above all avoid sin and whatever leads to sin, such as dangerous diversions and dangerous places of amusement. Okay, and now let's rewind to question answer 1 through 5 with my commentary on 2 through 5. Number 1, what does the third commandment, remember thou, keep holy the Sabbath day, command us to do? Answer, the third commandment, remember thou, keep holy the Sabbath day, commands us to honor God by acts of worship on feasts. Number two, what are the feasts? Answer, 
In the old law, they were Saturdays and certain other days regarded as specially solemn by the Jews. In the new law, they are Sundays and other feasts instituted by the church. So the uh, Jewish holidays, let's talk about this real quick. Besides the Sabbath, that was also called the Shabbat, that was a weekly feast. We also have Passover on the 14th or 15th of Nisan, the month. Passover, and then unleavened bread, and then first fruits, and then Pentecost, called Shavuot in Hebrew, and then trumpets, called Yam Teruah, and then Day of Atonement, probably know this word, Yom Kippur, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, also called Sukkot. So those were the Jewish feasts. And you know, there's a great interest today among Catholics in these Jewish feasts. And that's fine to learn all of that. But I can't help but think some Catholics are obsessed with the Jewish feasts right now, precisely because we've had so many suppressed feasts and octaves in our own Catholic calendar. Sometimes when our own traditions are collapsed, we get fascinated with other people's traditions. And yes, um, Pope Pius XII said we're all spiritual Semites. So all of the Old Testament is, of course, inspired. It would be the heresy of Marcionism to say the Old Testament was not inspired by God. Of course, the Old Testament is inspired. But these were just foreshadowings of the greater feasts to come. So in my opinion, we shouldn't get rid of our feasts if these are greater than the old school ones, the, um, the Old Testament ones. For example, you know, many feasts like the Immaculate Conception, we just celebrated that if you're watching this podcast or listening to it in real time, the Immaculate Conception, did you know that was once celebrated as an octave? Just like we have the Paschal octave of eight days. Or another feast that was suppressed, Pope Paul VI sadly eradicated the Pentecost octave, apparently to usher in the new springtime of the Spirit, but we keep that in the old traditional Latin Mass calendar. Let's look at number three. Why is Sunday sanctified instead of Saturday in the new law? Answer, Sunday, which means the Lord's Day, was substituted for Saturday because it was on that day that our Lord rose from the dead. Excuse me. So notice, Saturday is the day that God rested in Genesis. And remember, Jesus is God as I tell you this next part. Saturday is the day that God rested in Genesis. Well, what's the day Jesus slept in the sepulcher? We call that Saturday, Holy Saturday. You probably put that together. I just put it together while preparing for this podcast. I never realized that. Saturday is the day that God rested both in creation and after his execution. You probably knew that. Sometimes I'm a little slow on the uptake, but it just hit me today. Saturday is the day that God the Son rested in creation and after his execution, Holy Saturday. But Sunday is the day of the new creation for us Christians. And remember, Sunday stands for eternity. Put that on the back burner for everything we're about to learn today. And you see, this is why early Christians, the resurrection is why early Christians through middle-aged Christians hold to Sunday, not Saturday, as our holy day, unlike the um, uh, Seventh-day Adventists. We're not going to get into apologetics on that because they're about the only... Christian sect or semi-Christian sect that even holds Saturday to be the day, but they're not going to find any precedent in the early Christians or the medieval Christians to hold Saturday as the holy day. No, Sunday is the day of the resurrection, the day of the recreation, root word of recreation, which, as you listen further in this podcast, you're going to see why recreation is so important on Sundays. It's also the day signifying the new creation of what will be the new heavens and the new earth. 
We call that eschatology, what's going to come next. So Sundays are eschatological. I know it's kind of nerdy words, but Sundays are eschatological. They are a launch into eternity. What you do on Sundays is kind of an indication if you're going to heaven or hell. Remember, and then if you're Spanish-speaking, you get this. I've talked about this before. Salato is Sabbath. It even sounds the same. Domingo in Spanish is the Lord's Day. So it's easy, but you'll often hear English-speaking Catholics say, well, Sunday's our Sabbath. Not really. Sunday's the Lord's Day. Saturday's still the Sabbath. But we're required to keep rest and holiness, well, holiness every day, but a special holiness on Sundays. Now, how important is this? That's extremely important. Someone once said, if you can't rest with God on Sundays, then don't expect eternal rest with him in heaven. If you can't rest with God on Sundays, don't expect eternal rest with him in heaven. You see, Sundays really do indicate something of where you're going in eternity, like I said. St. John Vianney, he saw people um, pushing carts to the market and things, and he said, I see them pushing their carts, and I see them pushing them into hell. Imagine if St. John Vianney showed up at a modern-day Walmart. What would he say? Probably the exact same words. I see them pushing their carts on Sundays, and I see them pushing them into hell. You know, I won't even buy something on Amazon on a Sunday unless it's like a good movie, like a documentary or something uh, to relax at night. But notice that even such a movie is immediately streamed. It's not manual labor. Um, maybe I shouldn't even do that. Some people who I really respect say you shouldn't even go to restaurants on Sundays. Most traditional priests I've asked say you can go to restaurants on Sundays, but I know some very holy people who say it's wrong. So feel free to leave um, comments on that. I usually don't open up the comments for debates on moral theology, but if you're watching this on YouTube, let me know what you think. But here's the main thing is, you know, if you're a slave to the world any day, but especially on Sundays, if you're a slave, well, that doesn't bode well for your salvation. Don't be a slave to the world any day of the week, but especially don't be a slave to the world of flesh and the devil on Sundays. Now, granted, you're allowed to do necessary work on Sundays. I think that used to be capped at about two hours in some of these old school rules. But maybe even by the time of Pope St. Pius X, they kind of got rid of that because being too legalistic on that, well, for example, me as a hermit, I have a washer and a dryer, so I can do that on a Saturday. So it'd kind of be wrong for me to do laundry on a Sunday. So I never do laundry on a Sunday. But if you're a paramedic or a nurse, obviously you have to work some Sundays. Our Lord said it's better to save life on the Sabbath than lose it. That would be transferred to the Lord's Day in the New Covenant. But notice that our old school but recent Pope, Pope St. Pius X, he did say in another question and answer today, one commits a mortal sin. One commits a mortal sin by working on feasts. Then he gives a little exception. Brevity of time, however, will excuse from grave sin. In other words, brevity means necessity. So just use common sense on what is actually necessary to do on Sundays as far as manual labor. Um, now, obviously, like let's say you have a big feast, as in like literally a, a feast of food, and you have all, all kinds of friends and family over. Well, yeah, of course you have to cook and maybe do the necessary cleaning, but can you do a little of the cleaning on Monday? You know, this is where we have to use common sense to just um, try to honor God because God made our common sense and that honors him when we use that more than legalism, I think. I mentioned this in another podcast, but I didn't explain it too well. You know, Catholic New Orleans for the past couple hundred years, they had Monday as their catch-up day for cleaning and laundry and stuff, you know, for the lady of the house and if she had servants, if they were rich. 
Monday was the catch-up day for laundry and cleaning and stuff um, because little was done on Sundays because Sundays were actually respected for the majority of the time that um, New Orleans had been established as a Catholic city. Well, to do catch-up on cleaning and laundry on Sundays, you got to ask yourself, what cooks well slowly? And the answer is red beans and rice. So Monday was the day all across New Orleans you could smell red beans and rice slowly cooking while they were catching up on other types of work. But here's what's really neat. A lot of Catholic families in New Orleans and even secular diners, secular diners will have red beans and rice as their special on Mondays even to this day. Number four, what act of worship is commanded us on feasts? Answer, we are commanded to assist devoutly at the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Okay, the first thing to notice on this is he's including feasts to be both the Holy Days of Obligation and Sundays. You know, I'm rereading the autobiography of St. Therese of the Child Jesus, and when she wrote this, which was maybe probably five years before the Pope wrote this uh, catechism that we're looking at, almost the same time, but one of the points that she made is that the nuns only receive Holy Communion a a few times a year. The nuns, the Carmelites, at the end of the 19th century only receive communion a few times a year, presumably on feast days. Now, I was telling this to a friend, and she said, well, that doesn't seem like the best option. It seems like they should receive a little bit more than that. And I said, Pope St. Pius X actually agreed with you. He did start asking people to receive Holy Communion more than once a year, because that is the, um, the church's precept. It's the minimum to receive once a year. People were very afraid of sacrilegious communions, so they received very infrequently. However, here's the thing. Even though I, of course, support the Pope in telling people to receive communion more frequently, the pendulum has fallen way too far to the other side where even non-Catholics are now being admitted by Catholic bishops to Holy Communion. So obviously the pendulum is absolutely insane. I recently also read the book, uh, the biography, autobiography of uh, Bishop Grisida, And God forgive us for this sin. He was telling the story of in Florida how a seminary in Orlando in, I think it was 60s or 70s, was giving Holy Communion to a dog because that was their mascot at the seminary. So, you know, we've gone from the time of St. Therese when even nuns only received a few times a year to less than 100 years after that and they're feeding, God forgive me for saying this, even on a podcast, Holy Communion to a dog at a seminary in Orlando. It's right in the autobiography of Bishop Grisida there, if you doubt what I'm saying. And so, obviously, the pendulum has fallen way too hard to the other side. So, notice the mandate is to attend Mass on Holy Days of Obligation, not to receive Holy Communion. Let me say that again. The mandate is to attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation, not to receive Holy Communion. Now, that's great if you're in sanctifying grace, if you've been to confession, if you have no serious sin on your soul, if you can receive Holy Communion. That's an, that's an excellent bonus to attending Mass. But the requirements to attend Mass. Um, and also, the precept of the Church is to receive Holy Communion once a year and to go to confession once a year. <laughs> Notice there's a ratio there of one to one. The precept of the Church is to, go, is to receive Holy Communion once a year and to go to confession once a year. So here's the thing. I'm not saying you have to go to confession before every time you receive Holy Communion. But there were saints who did go to confession every day. So you can't condemn that as a practice. Anyway, the point is that the church used to have a lot more Holy Days of Obligation. So we can make those few that are given to us and attend Mass. 
we got to attend Mass on those holy days of obligation and Sundays. God has died for us. God the Son died for us as a man. We can go and worship him a few times a year on top of Sundays. You know, um, I remember the seminary I went to, they took off national holidays, but then they made their ground workers do manual labor on major Catholic feast days. This is obviously totally contrary to the Catholic spirit. In fact, it's actually mortal sin, according to Pope St. Pius X today. Mortal sin, probably especially for whichever priests and bishops refrained from stopping those blue-collar workers at my former seminary from doing hard work all day. Now again, I know there's such thing as necessary work, but if a seminary is taking off national holidays, but not first-class Catholic feasts, there's a major problem in us flirting with the world, the flesh, and the devil as Catholics. And by the way, what we call in the old calendar first-class feasts are called solemnities in the new calendar. First-class feasts in the old calendar are called solemnities in the new calendar. And what we call in the old calendar second-class feasts are generally called in the new calendar feasts. Same name on that one. Number five, last one for today. With what other good works does a good Christian sanctify feasts? Answer, a good Christian sanctifies feasts by one, attending Christian doctrine, sermons, and the divine office. Number two, by frequently and devoutly receiving the sacraments of penance and the blessed Eucharist. Three, by the practice of prayer and works of Christian charity. You see, all this is how we build a Catholic culture. Let's talk about Mother Teresa real quick. You know, I don't agree with everything Mother Teresa of Calcutta said about Hindus Hindus and Muslims should be the best Hindus and Muslims they can. But I still love her dearly, and I worked for her nuns in Calcutta, India. Um, In fact, they actually try to let no one die. None of the Hindus and Muslims die on the streets. They try to let none of them die without baptism. So I know they do believe, and they were taught by Mother Teresa this, that the salvation of the soul is more important than social justice work. So just like all traditionalists out there, I do have a couple problems with some of the things she said, but they really do put salvation of souls um, ahead of social justice. Anyway, one of my favorite sayings from Mother Teresa was, you can't fast well unless you feast well. Or rather, you can't feast well unless you fast well. You can't feast well unless you fast well. Think about it. We Americans, we gorge ourselves one, two, three times a day, Not only could you make the argument today when it seems like everything's falling apart, not only could you make the argument that fasting is more important than ever for the restoration of the church and the salvation of our souls. Remember, Jesus said, unless you do penance, you will perish. But a very distant second reason is that feasting's no fun without fasting before that. Both of these things, feasting and fasting, fasting and feasting, these things build Catholic culture. So it's not just enough to uh, you know, race to Mass on Sundays. We want to build a Catholic culture, and that begins with Sundays and feast days. This is why, again, the commandments are in order of importance. This is why we're spending all this time on the third commandment. Feast days build Catholic culture. How do we do that? By slowing down, because we're called to live a little bit of heaven on feast days and Sundays. Again, as the Pope said, one, by attending Christian doctrine, sermons, and the divine office. That would be like Vespers. Some of the FSSP parishes have uh, Vespers on Saturday night or Sunday night that's sung. Very great to go to those. Uh, Catholic Byzantine, Eastern Catholic churches often uh, have very important Vespers during the uh, privileged seasons of the year. Okay, and then number two, he said, by frequently and devoutly receiving the sacraments of penance and the Blessed Eucharist. We talked about that earlier. And three, by the practice of prayer and works of Christian charity. By the way, I think it's generally considered not bad manual labor if you volunteer for like your parish. Like if you 
if you do something for your priest, maybe cook him dinner or mow the lawn or something on Sunday, I think, and again, you can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong on YouTube, but I think you're allowed to do some manual labor as long as it's charity for the church or for the poor. Um, also, number 10 today gives us a great reason on all this. The Pope wrote, Servile work is forbidden on feasts in order that we may the better attend to divine worship and to the care of our souls and to enable us to rest from toil. Hence, innocent recreation is not forbidden. So again, that's where you got to use common sense. Is like, is this worshiping God and is it taking care of your soul? I remember reading a psychological study once that showed that people work harder six days a week if they actually take one day off. Obviously, I'm not saying that's the main reason we do it. The main reason is first to honor God. The second is to save your family's souls. But I don't know, top 10 reasons we could say that is that psychological study that when you take a day off, you're going to work a lot harder the rest of the week. Also, let's remember what the Pope said in number 11. He said, We should, above all, avoid sin and whatever leads to sin, such as dangerous diversions and dangerous places of amusement on feast days. Now, why especially feast days? Well, you have to remember, he wrote this as an Italian about 100, 120 years ago. Think of all the formerly devout places like New Orleans, again. They celebrate Mardi Gras or Rio de Janeiro, how they celebrate Carnival. They say Carnival in uh, Rio de Janeiro, Portuguese. These are actually Catholic feasts. we got to remember that. These were actually Catholic feasts that were turned into this absolute Sodom and Gomorrah debauchery. But remember, these were one day Mardi Gras. These were seen as Catholic feast days. And I think the Pope already saw what could happen in Italy to these feast days when he wrote this about 120 years ago. So it's still true for Catholics today that relaxing on Sundays should be not a time for scrolling through YouTube or other dangerous things, other near occasions of sin. Sundays should be days of contemplation and recreation. The entire day needs to be sanctified as best you can. So again, whether that's parish outings or singing in choir or tennis or mountain drives with your family or even long naps, these are all sanctifying Sundays and feast days. Yes, even long naps can sanctify Sundays because it is our day of recreation and recreation. Please say an hour, Father, for me. Et benedictio deimnipotentis. Patris et Spiritus Sancti, descendit super vos et maniat semper. Amen.